This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. Let's see if we remember how to do this. It's Carlin Gay alongside <laughs> Scott Rafferty. It is NBA Sound System Live. Thanks for joining us wherever you are, however you're doing so. We're happy to have you in after a little break, a little pause in action on this side, which uh, I'll take the blame for. I did have other obligations, uh, calling games for FIBA, of course. My second job sometimes steps in. But we're back, and hopefully better than when we left. And plenty to talk about because a lot happens in the NBA when you uh, when you blink, Scott. It's uh, it is a whirlwind of news, notes, and everything in between. We're gonna try to catch everyone up um, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, you're right. I feel like in between weeks, there's so much to talk about, and given two, maybe even three weeks, uh, it's it's hard to know where to begin. But luckily, there's there's no shortage of topics, and as you said, we we'll, we we'll, we still have plenty to talk about. So. Yeah, we got to check in on the MVP race, right? Like that's uh, that's something we I mean, got to do on this program because it has been. I don't think it's ever been as stacked, I'll call it, uh, as it's ever been uh, this this year. Um, there is a clear favorite, and we'll get to him in a second. But first, I think we got to start with the playing tournament, and mm-hmm. the playing tournament for those that don't know is happening this year, and it is uh, a couple teams. Your team might actually be in it. If you aren't aware of it, um, the teams seeds seven to ten will be a part of the playing tournament in both conferences. Um, it is uh, an interesting way to determine the final two seeds in both conferences for the playoffs. Um, I don't know where you sit on it, Scott. I don't really consider the playing tournament the quote unquote playoffs, but it is the postseason because it is coming after the season. So it's like that in between. And initially, when I heard of the play-in tournament and was told the concept, I hated it. I am coming around. I like the play-in tournament. I like the idea of it. And I, uh, I know I may be in the minority here. I would like it to stay. I know Luka Doncic is a big fan of the show, and he's not impressed with what I just said. <laughs> but I would like it to stay beyond what it is, you know this year, and hopefully, it becomes a thing in the NBA atmosphere for years and years to come. Because I, I do think it opens a door for more teams to get in and, and, and just that that atmosphere that we saw in the bubble last year to be carried over to multiple games i'm excited for i think the tell all by the way that it's not really the regular season or the playoffs it's kind of in limbo is that we had the play-in tournament last year which was that one game between the blazers and the grizzlies and john moran if i remember correctly had a season high in scoring and you will find no evidence of that on basketball reference or anything. So I think that kind of tells you that this is this kind of its own thing that we don't really know how to account for yet. But it, it certainly makes things interesting because at this point of the season, you know, usually there would be basically just a fight for probably the eighth seed. I'm, I think that's fair to say in either conference right now, just looking at the standings. But really, I mean, you can go... It's 12 teams deep in the East when you include the the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Raptors fighting for to get into the play-in tournament. And no disrespect to the Sacramento Kings, but I think it's 11 teams deep with the Pelicans in the West right now. So there's still these teams that have something to play for, and like a team like the Warriors, you know what I mean? It makes 
who are 500, 29, and 29. Every game kind of matters here on out from the, for them. Made all the more entertaining by Steph Curry being on this historic run. So it, it does add another element to the regular season. And I, I mean, we're only in year two of it, but um, the way that things worked out last season with that play-in tournament, I mean, that that one game between the Grizzlies and the Blazers was was a thriller. Um, it was one of the games of the season, I thought. So if we if we get something like that again this year, I think ultimately it'll be worth it. Yeah, it was fun, and that's what uh, sports is supposed to be. It was supposed to, it's supposed to be fun, and I think that this this playing tournament has potential to be fun for multiple teams. And as we said, seven through ten, that are the seeds that are in jeopardy. I'll call it uh, of playing the playing game. And when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, I, I think we can't predict who will land in seeds seven through nine. Um, you know, but they are locked in. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do believe that those the Pacers. I don't, you know, envision them tanking the rest of the season, even though they're currently on a three-game losing streak. I and don't think Turner that injured. Miles Turner's out. I don't yeah. think that they'll be that bad. Um, and knock on wood for the Pacer fans out there. I don't think they'll be that bad to to fall out of the play-in tournament altogether. They're right now ninth. They're two games over the tenth spot, uh, which the Bulls occupy right at this moment. Um, and you know, there's still just a, a, just about a month left in the NBA season, so I, I feel confident saying that the Pacers will be at least in the playing tournament. How they'll look when they get there, we'll figure that out at that time. But I, I do think that they'll get there. So the real battle, in my opinion, will be for that tenth and final spot. And right now, there's three teams vying for just one spot, and that's the Bulls, Wizards, and Raptors. And, you know, all those teams that I just mentioned are on at least a two-game winning streak. The Bulls winning their last two, Raptors winning their last three, and the Wizards coming out of nowhere uh, with the last five uh, being victories for them. And it is going to be interesting because now you look at the calendar, you you, you check out the, you know, uh, I guess the odds and the strength of schedule and the games remaining for each of these teams. And I'll sit here and tell you, Scott, I really don't know who will end up in 10th. It's, it's funny, too, because it feels like the Raptors don't really <laughs> want to be in the playing tournament by the way that they're resting their, <laughs> their best players. Um, and yet somehow it feels like when they've been healthy this season or have had most of their players, they can't win a game. And suddenly when they're resting everyone, Paul Watson hits eight threes and Yuta Watanabe has a season-high 21 points or whatever it was. So it's, it, it's hilarious to think that they're still in this position and like they might just, you know, luck their way into or unluckily get their way into that 10th seed i I think of those three teams i I do think the wizards are probably in the driver's seat for me right now just because they're playing better basketball that out of the three teams they they feel like they're kind of hitting their stride russ is playing well um and, and they just feel like momentum is on their side whereas as i just said it's hard to really tell if the raptors even want to be in the playing tournament um based on the way that they're resting players and the Bulls being without Zach Levine for we don't know how long. I mean, they, they were struggling with him in the lineup. And I think without him, um, I, I just I have a hard time. I mean, they're in the 10th right now. But I, I just think momentum-wise, I think this favors the Wizards. But, I mean, two weeks ago, we were probably saying something else. So who knows what's going to change over the next couple of weeks between those three. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing. We can pretend like we know what's going on, but... Uh Things happen quickly in the NBA. When you look at 538 and their predictions, um, they have the Raptors at an 18% chance of making the playoffs. 
the Wizards at a 7% chance and the Bulls mm. at a 6% chance right now. Now, I that is making the playoffs. I'm not sure if that's making the play-in tournament, but I would assume yeah. that it is because you know the, the Raptors wouldn't have uh, that high of a percentage if they didn't believe that this team could make it uh, to the 10th seed. And um, that changes daily, really. <laughs> it really does. So, um, you know, just a handful of games left. The Raptors, 10 games under 500. And as you said, they keep resting <laughs> players uh, left, right, Somehow. and center. And uh, somehow, some way, maybe it's Nick Nurse again. You know, proving that he he was indeed the coach of the year last year, showing you that he can, uh, you know, make magic out of of, of nothing. Really, um, you know, Paul Watson. I don't think most NBA fans know who he is, or probably would be able to pick him out of a lineup. But uh, twenty eight points last week. Um, you know, fantasy players know who he is. Uh, they they try to get him on their team as as playoffs approach for the fantasy. Um, all right, give me one team that you think you're gonna. I'll put you on the spot here. Who's gonna make it? Ooh. Three teams. Raptors, Wizards, Bulls. Who do you think makes it? Um, one other thing I was going to add, by the way, Tankathon has uh, their strength of schedule, and the way that they base it is on they calculate the the combined winning percentage of all the opponents remaining on a team schedule. So yeah. based on that, the Raptors have the third hardest remaining schedule in the entire league, <laughs> Chicago seventh hardest, and yeah. then Washington is 24th. Wow. So out of the three, Washington, based on their the way that they do it, um, has the much easier remaining schedule. So based on that and the fact that I just said, I do think momentum's kind of in their favor right now. And they feel like, I, I do think the Bulls really want to be in the playing tournament. They want to make the playoffs, especially when you look at that move that they made at the trade deadline to get Nikola Vucevic. Like that, that was a win now move for them. But I just think without Zach Levine for we don't know how long, um, you know, the Wizards kind of hitting their stride, having the easier schedule out of the three. Uh, right now, today, I think they it kind of favors them. So I'm, pay- I'm picking the Wizards out of the three. Yeah, I would go with the Wizards if not for the fact that they have uh, been re- – I, I know it's tough to say relatively healthy under these circumstances for uh, the season because they did start off – I mean, they got uh, hit by – yeah. yeah, they got hit yeah, by COVID ball. harder than any other team, I feel like, yeah. at the start of the season. Um, and it, it really – they really had a hard time kind of finding their stride after that as well. They did, but they're they're slowly, you know, healthier than you know most teams. So if you consider their circumstances, mm-hmm. especially the two other teams that they're dealing with uh, to try and fight for that ten spot. But I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls. I actually think that now with Levine out of the lineup, Vucevic doesn't have to sort of try to fit in. He can be the guy um, and stand out instead. And, you know, leading the way for this Bulls team and with Levine on the sideline, I think it will allow Levine to kind of see where Vucevic really is able to, you know, play at a high level on this Bulls team. Obviously, he knows his work. This guy's a two-time All-Star in terms of Vucevic and really got it done in Orlando. He's played against him a ton. But I don't think that Vucevic was was allowed the opportunity to really maximize, um, you know, his strengths in the lineup with Levine alongside him. But now with Levine out, unfortunately, in the health and safety protocol, uh, the go-to guy is going to be Vucevic, and everybody else is going to have to fall in line. So I I think that I'm I'm, I'm, – no, I don't think I know. I'm I'm saying the Bulls. 15 games left. I look at their schedule. They don't have many easy opponents in terms of the record, but I do look at the opponents that they do have in terms of their toughest opponents remaining on their schedule. They play the Bucks twice, the Nets twice – um, and I think two of those, you know, those two teams might be looking to rest some guys, um, you know, as we get closer to the end of the season, and that could pay off for the Chicago Bulls. So 
I am going Bulls. They're going to be in the seat in the 10th spot. And if they don't, I think it would be a disaster for them, given the fact that they traded everyone at the trade deadline um, and their future, really, for, for Vucevic to make the playoffs. So they have to at least make the, the, the playing uh, tournament. They have to, right? I mean, wouldn't it be a disaster if the, the Wizards oh, didn't make the playing tournament either after getting Russell Westbrook in the offseason? And when Very you consider, true. you know, all, all the. I don't even want to say trade talks. I feel like it's just trade rumors around Bradley Beal and people just guessing that, assuming that there's going to reach a point where he requests a trade. Like this team, there's a lot of pressure on this team to kind of win, make some noise, make the playoffs, you know, be competitive in the first round, whatever the case may be. So I do feel like, yeah, out of the three, the Raptors probably, it seems like they're kind of waving the flag uh, um, out of the three. But the two other ones, the Wizards and the Bulls, like they, they both have a lot to play for and reasons to kind of make that play in tournament. Yeah, the one thing I would say, though, is that the Wizards, yes, it would be terrible for them if they did not make the playoffs or the play-in tournament, um, but at least they have a draft pick, you know? <laughs> at least if they don't make it, they, they can, you know, still hit the lottery, whereas the Bulls, uh, they can't do that. You know, that that, that, that pick is now yeah. in Orlando's control, so uh, it would be terrible for the Bulls to not only miss the play-in tournament, miss the postseason, but then... Uh, look forward and, and see how are they going to round out this roster, maybe with some more young talent to build around Levine and Vucevic, and then they don't have a draft pick to do it in what's supposed to be a pretty good draft. Um, all right, the, the Western Conference race is, I, I don't want to say uh, less entertaining because it is just as entertaining, um, but there is one team on the outside looking in that I think many people are expecting, and maybe even some NBA uh, executives around around the uh, around the NBA office thinking, hey, can we get Zion Williamson uh, at least in one <laughs> postseason game? Would be nice uh, to get some some fans uh, to, to tune in to watch one of our future stars. But eleventh uh, in the Western Conference is the Pelicans. They are on a three game losing streak. They're now three and a half games out of tenth. And right now, I'll sit here and tell you that I have no confidence in that team turning it around uh, before the end mm. of the season and slipping into the playing tournament. So this will be the second year in a row where uh, the Pelicans were really on the cusp of you know making it to the play-in tournament. It feels like uh, the conspiracy theorists online uh, probably thought that this play-in tournament was created for Zion Williamson and the Pelicans, <laughs> and now they're not going to make it for two years in a row. So um, the Spurs hold, are currently holding down that 10th spot, uh, and they are essentially tied in terms of uh, games behind, but they, they have two games in hand. Uh, on the on the Warriors, so they could leapfrog the Golden State Warriors, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Warriors, Spurs. That's seven through ten. Do you see any of those teams being able to get out of the play-in tournament scenario and leapfrogging the Blazers between here and the end of the year? Okay, wait. First of all, it, if you are the the confidence that if you're going to have confidence in the Pelicans, it's that I just said the Raptors, according to Tankathon, have the third hardest remaining schedule. The Spurs have the second hardest remaining schedule in the league. So mm. they, they have a very rough schedule ahead of them. They got a couple matchups with the Jazz, a couple with the Suns, Nets, 76ers. Like you said, there's some teams in there who could be resting players. So it's hard to really know or hard to put too much stock in that, you know, saying they have the second hardest schedule. But like, I mean, I, I think the door is still open for them. And I would love, I would love to see Zion in the playoffs because... It is so funny to watch this guy who is basically an undersized power forward or center averaging 20 points per game in the paint, which is the most in Shaq in nearly two decades. And nobody, 
nobody can prevent him from doing what he wants to do, even though everyone in the world knows that that's what he wants to do. And I would just love to see how teams kind of game plan for him in the playoffs and whether or not there's still absolutely nothing to be be done just because he's the most dominant, um, physically dominant player in the league today. So I, I, I still think there's a little bit of a chance for the Pelicans to, to make it. Um, odds are certainly stacked against them, but I, I wouldn't count them out yet. But as, as, you know, as far as the other four teams go... I mean, the two scariest ones to me are the Mavericks and the Warriors, just because they have they each have an All NBA caliber MVP candidate player. Obviously, Dallas having Luka Doncic and the Warriors having Stephen Curry. So, I, if I'm a higher seed, no matter what the situation is, I would just not like to see either of those unless I have to, because like we saw last season, I mean that that run that Luka had without without even Paul Zingas for most of that series against Clips in the first round. Obviously, they did not win that series. The Clippers kind of one comfortably I think that's fair to say but I mean like Luca had struck some fear in that team with the way that he was playing so I and obviously Steph I mean I feel like we're going to talk about Steph a little bit more on this podcast so maybe now is not the time to do it but I would not want to play either of those teams and yeah it's close enough now I think of those the Mavs probably have the best chance to kind of leapfrog the Blazers and kind of avoid this playing tournament because they do have a super easy schedule the rest of the way they actually according to Tankathon, have the second easiest schedule. The Utah Jazz are the only ones that have an easier one. Um, They've had a little bit of a rough stretch over the last week, which isn't a great sign for them. But I do think they probably have the best chance to kind of get out of this situation out of those four. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think the the Mavs do have the best chance of getting out there. And Portland uh, hasn't been as healthy as they've wanted. They, They feel like, you know, Nurkic comes back. Uh, McCollum comes back, and all of a sudden, Lillard has to miss time. Um, yeah, it's been rough. They, they just haven't been able to get it all together. When they do, I, I think they'll be able to figure it out and might be too late. They might be playing in that playing tournament. Um, the way it's set up right now, uh, the first round of the playing tournament would be the Mavs and Grizzlies, and then you have the, the Spurs and Warriors. Um, the loser of the Mavs and Grizzlies would play a second game, uh, and they would play the winner of the Spurs and Warriors. Is that how you see it shaking out? Do you see those four teams, um, you know, remaining in those same spots? Um, with the way that Steph Curry is playing right now, I would not be shocked at all if the the Warriors leapfrog them in the standings and uh, mm. in sixth or seventh. Just, I mean, he's averaging forty points per game in the month. He's 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 on one of the historically historically speaking, he's on one of the greatest runs we've ever seen. Um, and like we saw last night. I mean, single-handedly beat the Sixers, who, yes, they were without Ben Simmons, who is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, but they still have Joel Embiid, who is one of the leading candidates for MVP. And it, it's, I mean, the, what he's doing right now, it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, what he's doing right now, he's been doing his entire career in terms of, like, how he's going about manufacturing his points. But it's just mm-hmm. dialed up to... I don't even know what you want to say, 500, 1,000, million, whatever the case may be. And there's just no answer for him. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, that I would not be surprised if they they move a couple other spots because, they, they I mean, they would be right there. They've had a couple of, of rough late-game moments over the last couple weeks um, right. where it's it's free throws, missed layups, and things like that. So they could very easily be, you know, 31 and, and 27 rather than 29 and 29 right now. Fair. That's uh, I'm I'm with you. If if Steph can stay this hot for the rest of the season, they they might get as high as seven. I don't see them getting out of the uh, yeah out of the play in tournament. They'll get as high as seven, and and that's where it will stop. Because as well as he's played, 
Um, it's not like they've been knocking it out the park in terms of wins and losses. You know, there are some losses um, on the, on that record throughout the month of April. It's not like they've gone on a huge uh, win streak um, right now. I mean, in they're, fact, they're, 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 they're five out of the four. last six, though. They're five out of the last six, and their only loss was against the Celtics when Steph Curry uh, sprained his ankle at the end of that game. So they've been playing yeah. pretty well lately. They are. They're six and four in their last ten. So I'll give I'll give them that, and and you know we'll see them pick up. This is a, an important week for them coming up. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how uh, things shake out. The uh, you know if you if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan or a Detroit Pistons fan, the one saving grace so far is that you aren't officially eliminated from the playoffs yet. That's a that's a fact, and that's, that's there still crazy. is there still is a mathematical chance that you end up in. Um, you know, take that for whatever is worth. Uh, I don't know if it's worth much, but at least there's still, there's still hope. <laughs> there's still there's still a chance. Um, on that topic, not a single team has clinched their spot in the playoffs yet. Um, so that's, that's also, also crazy to me. To me. Yeah, that's it's crazy. very interesting. But it's going to start happening over the next uh, couple of days. I think the Utah Jazz uh, have a magic number of two of at least finishing higher than tenth. Um, so they'll need a win and a Spurs loss, and they will be okay, um, um, safe and sound. So that that will start happening over the next week. The magic numbers for at least the top five seeds in, or top four seeds rather in the Western Conference are now down to single digits. Um, and then in the East, um, we're looking at the Sixers and Nets close, slowly closing in on that uh, magic number. They're, they're around two to to start clinching uh, at least. Uh, a play-in spot. <laughs> Imagine the Nets or, or the Sixers having to fall. Um, so the Jurassic would have to happen there, but they're they're close. So that's uh, it's going to start happening. You'll start to see those check marks, which is interesting this late in the season. Um, all right, we talked about Steph Curry. Let's talk about him a little bit more in depth because, as you said, he has been going insane um, over the last little bit, um, and I, I I'm starting to see uh, him enter the MVP conversation. And I'll be completely honest with you, Scott. I uh, am completely opposed to that notion. Um, I will acknowledge that Steph has been terrific in the month of April. I, I think I would be a moron to, uh, to, to to sit here and say that he isn't deserving of the praises he's getting. He's averaging 40.8 points per game. He's shooting 54% from the field, shooting 50% from three, 90% from the foul line. He's taking 14 threes, folks, and he's knocking down half of them. Like, it's it's insane what he's doing. And not only that, he's averaging 4.4 assists, and, and he's, he's still plucking, you know, uh, six rebounds out of the air as well. So um, he most recently just took over the scoring lead uh, in the NBA, passing Bradley Beal, who felt like, was going to average 35 at the beginning of the season. Uh, obviously, he slowed down a little bit and with uh, hasn't had to do as much with Russell Westbrook also in the lineup there. So here's Curry. Uh, for the second time in his career, looks like he might finish with the scoring title. The last time he did that, he won the MVP. Um, look at that. And here he is with his team uh, missing Klay Thompson, with Draymond Green not uh, providing the scoring punch that he once did. Um, you know, prior in his career with, um, you know, James Wiseman uh, in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, Kelly Oubre has missed some time as well. The Then you have Jordan Poole and then <laughs> Pascal, uh, Eric Pascal. And yeah, the, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson's playing big minutes for this team. 
it's not a who's who on the Warriors anymore. And, of course, my guy Andrew Wiggins, uh, second leading scorer on the team, has done a great job of uh, kind of being a, a in-the-shadow Robin to Steph's Batman. But it's really been Steph, and he's been incredible. I don't think he should be in the MVP conversation. Where do you sit on it? it, it it's hard because part of me is just like, it's almost frustrating that like every time a player is going to run this season, we immediately, and I'm not just saying you and I, I'm saying collectively, like the media, the first thing that gets brought up is like how it shakes up the MVP race. You know, like a month ago, we were talking about James Harden potentially being a finalist. Before that, it was Damian Lillard. And now it's, I mean, we've talked about Chris Paul a little bit as well. You've kind of been ahead of that. But um, now it's Steph going on this run and how he enters this conversation. And I feel like it just kind of takes away from how incredible he is right now and the run he's having. Because it really is one of those things. It's like you're either on the side of, yes, this makes him a, uh, you know, a candidate for MVP or it doesn't. And then that kind of just, it feels like that's just taking away from how well he's playing. Because like you said, the numbers are absurd. Um, I mean, a couple that jumped out to me is he's made 72 threes in the last 10 games. And that's more than players like Siakam, Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. It's more than they've made the entire season. And by the way, I know they are like bigs, but Chris Paul has only made 73 threes this entire season. So Steph has made nearly more threes than uh, Chris Paul has in the last 10 games in the entire season. Um, he's also had 10 plus threes in four of his last five games. I think that's the most threes anyone in NBA history has ever made in a five game stretch. Like, what he is doing right now is just historically incredible. And there's really, it's just mind boggling stuff. Um, and like you said, the fact that he's doing this on a Warriors team that quite frankly, I mean, is it fair to say, I know Draymond Green is, Draymond Green's probably the best passer on the team. Um, but like other than him, the best playmaker, or the only other guy who you're confident can go and get a bucket for himself or anyone else consistently is, is Andrew Wiggins, right? Or semi-consistently. And the fact that he is, Steph Curry is doing this with teams throwing, I mean, that Celtics game of the weekend was a perfect example of it because here's this guy hobbling around on one leg, drawing two defenders, they're trying to trap him and everything like this. And it still feels like as soon as they just let their guard down even the slightest, he's firing it up. And every single time he took one, I thought it was going in because that's just kind of the level that he's at right now. So, I mean, we, we can talk about the MVP discussion if you want. I, I just ultimately, I feel like it does take away a little bit from the run that he's having right now. And, um, you know, I feel like too often sometimes we kind of look into the future rather than staying in the now. I know you're going to accuse me of copping out there. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, 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 I agree. I, you know how I feel about this. We've actually talked about this prior. But I will go back in history and take a look at the MVP race in 2005-2006. Um, that is the year that Steve Nash won the award. And um, the reason why I bring that up is because Kobe Bryant finished fourth in MVP voting that year uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. He was the leading scorer on the team. Um, by the way, this team made his Lakers team made the playoffs in the eighth seed. And in the month of January, Kobe Bryant averaged 43 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and he was shooting 47% from the field and 30 or 40% from three point range, 90% uh, from the foul line. Um, and in April followed that up with 41 points, five, five rebounds, uh, six assists or sorry, three assists and shot 50% from the field, 
41% from three-point range, and 83% from the foul line. Um, two months where he went for 40 points per game. It's not like we haven't seen this before. And uh, he didn't get credit for you know the MVP conversation. And this is not to discredit what Steph was is doing right now because it absolutely is amazing. But his body of work over the entire season has to amount to be the most valuable player of the league. There is an already award for the best player in a month, and it's called the Player of the Month Award. He can win that, and that's okay. You can give him that award, and that's okay. You don't have to thrust him in to the most valuable player of the league award. And there is a discussion to be had about what is really the most valuable player and um, yada, yada, yada. And Steph could be, by definition, the most valuable player, but we know that the award doesn't mean that. It is uh, accumulation of stats, accumulation of your impact, accumulation of your team success, and that's where Steph falls off. This team is at 500 right now, and they're scraping to get into a play-in tournament. If under normal circumstances, we, we would barely even be talking about this because he would be in a fight for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. They wouldn't even be in a conversation uh, to to, be, to potentially be seen in the postseason. So let's just take a, a deep breath. What he's doing is incredible. We can say it's great without putting him in the MVP discussion. And by the way, he's going to get rewarded because he's going to win the Player of the Month award for the month of April, and that is just fine. Um, I'm getting frustrated with this a little bit because I think Nikola Jokic, I think Joel Embiid, and Chris Paul really deserve to be in the conversation. That is my top three as it sits today. If I had to vote right now, if the season ended today and I had to vote right now on who my MVP would be, it would absolutely be Nikola Jokic. Uh, as much as I've caped before for for Chris Paul, um, you know, both on the show, off the air, Scott, as you know, um, and in every conversation I have about this MVP race, um, Nikola Jokic deserves it. He and we're just coming off a night where the dude went for I think it was forty seven last night uh, in a, in a big win. It was like forty seven, fourteen, and eight, forty seven, fourteen, yeah. and eight, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. he, he's keeping his team afloat. Um, and I will say this: the one knock I had on Nikola Jokic, uh, and Scott can confirm this, is that I, I always knew that he was a you know super offensive talent, but I I did call him out time and time again for his defense. And I will say that he has made huge strides over the last year um, defensively and to the point where he now is on the floor defensively in crutch situations. Last night he was on the floor um, you know, where, where John Morant uh, had an opportunity to win the game at the buzzer in overtime, which led to the second overtime. And Jokic made a heady play uh, where he kind of faked to uh, almost bait Morant into a bad pass and turn it over. Um, and that's something that he won't get credit for because it's not a block, it's not a steal, um, you know, it's not a, a shot alteration because he wasn't really protecting the rim. But it's one of those plays that Jokic is starting to use his head on defense as much as he's using it on offense. And that has turned him into me, uh, the MVP, because he's doing it. He's not a slouch defensively anymore. There were times where he was just a turnstile, but he's trying defensively, and he's, he's showing up in the right positions defensively. And you can't now say, when you watch a full Denver Nuggets game, that this guy is a liability on the defensive end. And that is a huge plus to where he once was. So that is the MVP of the league, in my opinion, today. Now, that could change. We still have a month of basketball left. But right now, today, Jokic is the guy. You know what's hilarious? I, I was watching that game last night, that uh, that Nuggets and Grizzlies game, 
And I, on that same possession, I saw Jokic on the floor and immediately my mind was like, I, like, I, I can imagine, I'm, I have to talk to Colin about this because we've had that discussion so many times before. And I remember you hopping on the fact that like, oh, you know, the fact that you can't play him at the end of the games defensively is such a, you know, that's a huge knock against him. Um, so that's, that's hilarious that you, you brought that up. And cause that's, that's the first thing that I thought of. I do want to go back for a second because I know what you were saying when you said that we've seen this before, what Curry is doing and how, you know, Kobe averaging 40 points per game for a month plus. We've seen that. All I will say is we haven't seen it done this way because one stat that, again, another stat that just blew my mind, Curry now has 21 games in his career with 10 plus threes made, okay? Six of them have come this season and four of them have come over the last five games, Okay. No other player in NBA history has has more than five games in which they've made ten or more threes. Okay, like we this level of shooting we just have never seen before. And I think Doc Rivers said that after that Sixers game uh, last night that like what he's doing is just we we really haven't seen before. Um, so yes, we've seen guys average forty plus points for for an extended period of time, but Curry is just doing it his own way. And I, I mean, I've already said it, but like the shots that he is taking and making. And doing it with absurd efficiency. Another thing that blows my mind, and Tom Havistro kind of shined a light on this recently, is Curry, there are, um, I think there's, what is it, eight players in NBA history who have taken more than 20, more than 23s in a game. There's only like eight players in NBA history who have done that. And Curry is not one of them. Like that, that is mind boggling because he could take 25 threes a game and I don't think anyone would batter an eyelid because that's just how good he is. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, Personally, I think one of the more interesting things is how this is going to factor into the All-NBA teams because the way that you line up right now, the guards in the in, just in the entire NBA, I mean, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving deserves a shout-out. I know I am missing one person off of that, at least one person in that group, but that's six names right there and there's only six guard spots. Um, same thing for forwards. Like It's just going to be absolutely stacked. Um, and there's going to be a situation where a Chris Paul makes potentially the second or even third team or Harden, um, which is just outrageous because all these guys at some point of the season have kind of entered the MVP conversation. So like I said, I, I feel like talking strictly and framing this as how it shapes into the, the MVP conversation takes away from the now and what Curry is doing. Like you, I think Jokic is the clear front runner right now. I do think Embiid is still in this conversation, although the fact that Jokic has played like 800 more minutes, nearly 20 more games than him on the season. Like that does matter. Um, but I, I do think it's probably Jokic and Bede. At three, I might still have Giannis. Chris Paul is definitely in the conversation. But I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I said that, if I, if I you know, didn't say that this run that Curry's on right now didn't make me at least rethink a little bit about the MVP conversation. Um, but it's just been so wild this season that I almost feel like we owe it to ourselves to kind of let things play out and then take stock of the entire season. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. We do have to let things play out. And those those numbers are absolutely absurd. And I just want to be clear. I didn't want to make it seem like we've, uh, you know, that, that Kobe's, you know, 40 was better than Steph's. Uh, you know, Steph's just done it in a different way. I, I don't I want to choose um, between the two. I, I just want to bring it to everyone's attention that it there are other players that have gone crazy for a month before. And we've been OK mm -hmm. with just giving them player of the month award. Moving on, they don't need to enter the MVP discussion. Um, and Kobe finished fourth that year. I expect fifth Steph to finish either third or fourth. Honestly, uh, yeah. I do think that he, Embiid has been head and shoulders above, and so has uh, Jokic in terms of not only just the impact on the court, but 
their uh, you know teams are winning. Um, you know, Embiid, you can't take away the fact that this team is in first place in the Eastern Conference. They'll finish second at worst, and the Denver Nuggets continue to rise even without Jamal Murray in the lineup. Um, and that's a huge blow to that team. And Jokic, like I said, is do, is doing a much better job defensively. That was always my argument against the dude. Um, you know, if he if he figured it out defensively, then we'd be able to put him in that top seven discussion. He's there now uh, because he is showing up on the defensive end. Um, he's really small. By the way, he's a, yeah, he's a small player. Knows where to position himself. He's also huge, which helps. Like yeah. scoring against him around the basket, even though he's not a leaper. Like it's not it's not easy to score against him. Um, and he has quick hands. So yeah, Jokic. It's been a joy. Offensively, he walked into. The, I, I was gonna say he walked into the NBA. He was a second round pick, but pretty early <laughs> on, it was it was clear that he was something else offensively. So yeah, to to your point, I don't think anyone's gonna call him a two way player now. He's certainly not in the same kind of level as Joel Embiid in that regard, but. You know, one of the greatest offensive seasons, I think it's fair to say, from a center, while also being, you know, very capable defensively. Uh, I think that's that's kind of where we're at with Jokic now. For sure. Um, you brought up the, the all-NBA teams. It's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be crazy. Maybe. It's going to be fun trying to pick those teams. Uh, and, I mean, and I mean fun in the sense that you are really going to have to dig hard this season to try and come up with the best 15 players, and you're also locked into uh, – to, to certain positions, which is which is going to be tough. I think center is easy. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm, you, you know that Embiid, uh, Jokic, and uh, Gobert that those are your centers in any way. You know, any way you want to place them, so be it. Forward's going to be tough. Guards, you just listed a bunch of them. Uh, and I missed some, by the way. I, I missed some like Don- Simmons, you know, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to throw, have Trey Young in the conversation. Damian Lillard. Uh, you know, oh, like, I didn't even say Lillard. You're right. It's it is it's <laughs> tough. It is going to be tough uh, to pick. You know, the, the 15 best players in the league this season. So uh, I don't envy those who have a vote out there. It, it is uh, definitely going to be hard. All right, that's that's something that we will discuss in uh, in a couple weeks' time. We'll be back. Uh, you can set your calendars for the alert out there. May 11th, we'll be back right here with a live show. Uh, in the meantime, you can rate, subscribe, and review to NBA Sound System, the podcast. If you missed any of the live show, you can catch it in its entirety in the podcast. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple weeks, May 11. Mark it down, circle it in your calendars, and get ready to have the discussion around all NBA because that is going to be the time to discuss. A lot will happen between now and then. We hope you remember it all. If not, we will remind you of what happened at that time so for scott rafferty i am carlin gay may 11th we'll be back right here on nba sound system live you guys enjoy the two-week break